to come. And uh, I want to thank this wonderful church, the way that you stood with us in 2020. And uh, it's such a joy to be part of Amazing Grace AG Church. I am pregnant with the word. Uh, uh, I'm so bubbling with what God has put inside. And the pastor was just scratching the surface when he said, yes, we have a God who's a miracle worker. We have a God who breeds a new life. And I pray that in the hearing of God's word today, the dry bones will come back to life. And God who started a good work in us as we've touched the 12th month, 12 is a number in the Bible, and he will still do his work without fail. He has not brought us thus far to leave us in the middle. He's not a God who puts us to sink things. He's our ever-present help in the time of trouble. And I pray that this month will be joy. This month will be an eagerness to spread the gospel. This month we will have new ideas, some way to touch somebody's life. And so I go ahead and share the screen. And uh, uh, let's meditate on God's word uh, today. I've titled uh, the message uh, as Christmas, a season of favor. <clears throat> Christmas, a season of favor. And the text is... Uh, the prelude to the birth of Jesus Christ, Luke one twenty five. This is what Elizabeth said. You see, we have Elizabeth in the story. She doesn't say much. And probably I think this is one and the other song that she comes up in praise when she sees Mary. But this is what she said. The Lord has done this for me. The Lord has done this for me in these days. And that really hit my spirit. In these days, he has shown me favor and taken my disgrace, taken away my disgrace among the people. In these days, translate that into our circumstance, present day. In these days, when we hear a lot of other news, I want us to believe that these are the days God is showing his favor. These are the days God is removing disgrace from your life. These are the days there's going to be a new beginning as Pastor Prem read that. <clears throat> Behold, I'm doing a new thing. We don't understand the ways of God. And so that's the verse. And I pray that this season will be marked by a favor of God in our life. And let's go ahead and meditate from Luke chapter 1 this morning. <clears throat> I'm starting from verse 5. In the days of Herod. And I would like to highlight a little bit on that from church history. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias. So the whole story goes around this elderly man, Zacharias, who was from the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God. Unusual. Rest of the gospels, you have priests who fabricate a plan to execute Jesus. But here you have a beginning. You have a priest who was righteous and upright in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the requirements of the Lord. But the season was different. They had no child. In fact, you see, not even children. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they both were advanced in years. And this is the whole context of, of, of uh, prior to the Christmas story that we have. And I, I just pray that God would, would give us grace to go through the text. And, and I've got three S's for us this morning. Let's dwell on it. Point number one, here we go. Before that, in the days of Herod. 
Now, this is very, very unique because the political news is all about Herod. Herod was there for quite some time. It's around close to 30, 40 years. He was sitting on the throne. We can get carried away with Herod because he's the number one man. He's the man who's ruling there. He's the king. A little bit about Herod before we go to Zechariah. Now, Herod, and, and we need to know, the intertestamental period was around 400 years. And I just want to give us a political glimpse of what is happening before we enter into Zechariah's story. You know, the last book is, is, is Malachi and Nehemiah and Esther happened to be the last chapters and events, timeline in the Old Testament uh, 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 timeline, the days. And then you enter into a prophetic silence. We don't know why there were silent years. I want to tell you, God is not in a hurry. He's not in a hurry to finish his work and put a full stop and get away. There are two times in the Bible there was a 400 years gap. Jesus did not come in a hurry to die on the cross. He lived 33 and a half years. The death of Jesus is only six hours. If you want to calculate the plan of salvation, he came, he died, he shed his blood and went away. It's only six hours. But there is a grand plan of God in those 33 and a half years. We don't know why the baby was born at 100 years for Abraham. God is not in a hurry. If you're thinking you're pressing a fast forward button for God to act, God knows what to do in his time. Christmas story is about a perfect timing of God. 2020, we can calculate so many things, but I want to tell you, child of God, he is working in his beautiful time. Embrace the time. Embrace the journey with God. 400 period of prophetic silence. 400. And you have all these rulers, Persian, Alexandrian, Egyptian, Syrian, Maccabean, 100 years, these rules. You know, all the Roman, I mean, Jewish uprising, revolt. You can get clogged with political news. Get clogged with who's who's those days. You can read Josephus. You can read all the websites. You can get all the, the, the things that are happening from one empire to the other, but you will not get a prophetic word. You will get a political word. You can read all the news about Trump and Biden. You can talk about the virus, WHO. You can talk about all the statistics, but these days we need a prophetic utterance from the Lord. And that was missing 2,000 years ago. And then came Herod the Great. So if you're going to look at the worldly text, if you're going to knock all the doors, click all the buttons, there was that prophetic silence. What changes the planet is a prophetic word from God. Expect that this season. Expect that favor from God. Expect that news from That is Christmas. That's how it begins. A 400 year silence is broken when God begins to invade the planet with his word. This world is hungry, not for songs. It's for the glory of God in the word of Jesus. I pray that you'll be inspired today to do something in 2020 when people are dried up without a prophetic word. Go ahead and say something. Do something. Bless somebody this season. Amen. This is Herod, one of the most tyrant, madman, so to speak. You can talk all about him and miss 
what God is doing on the planet because when God is working in Judea in the Roman Empire it's obscure place a dot look at look at look you can you can talk all the nuances of of Herod he was in you know defeated the Parthians he had was friends with Mark Anthony he got a little bit close to Octavian Augustus there and you know he became the king of Judea you you talk you you, you can get lost with that political news he wiped out all the Jewish people those the male Hasmoneans he was a murderer there. He married his favorite lady, uh, Mariamni. She was a Hasmonean. And you can talk about all the ladies around his life. In fact, he, he sent his first wife, banished her Doris and Antipor because he wanted to get this lady into his life. And that can become a big news, third page news. We can talk all about it and miss what God wants to say. In Jerusalem, he began a big new market. He built a theater, amphitheater, new beating place in the Sanhedrin. In fact, the temple also was built by him. Today, what stands today for people to go see in Jerusalem is Herod's temple, the temple doom. He built the port of Caesarea. He wanted to get favor with the Romans. That was spectacular. Nobody wanted to venture that project. It was the chief masterpiece of engineering and architecture. We can talk about it. You want to talk about the news. All these hits the newspaper. Little more there, Herod killed his favorite wife. Why? He was suffering from deep power crisis, insecurity, fear and paranoia. He killed three sons. He married 10 times. He had a very horrific, unusual death, full boils in the body. I mean, some kind of syphilis. You know, a strange death. Even in death, he told his sister, kill people who are my rivals. And this same Herod is the one who killed the babies. He wanted to finish off the next ruler. So if you're looking at the political news, it's very, very dark. This is the king. In these days of Herod, you're going, Herod is occupying the newspaper. Herod is, is bloodthirsty king. Herod, nothing good is going to happen during these days. The newspaper is all about this kind of news 2000 years ago in these days something happened coming back there in these days there was a priest god was interested in an old man who was faithful in his duty now watch this division of abijah there's something about it as we go down division of abijah sometimes we read this and we just some pass away i've done this many many times now this time i was hit by why should luke Mentioned by the way, Luke was the only Gentile writer in the Bible, all of them were Jews. And Luke writes to Theophilus, and you, you find it very difficult to understand this mystery character who was this Theophilus? He got an orderly account, he's checking every document and verifying it and putting it as, as something that will help the faith of Theophilus. And he comes to division of Abijah. Now, what's the deal with the division of Abijah? Now, the priests were divided into 24 divisions by David so that in Jewish calendar, they will get their rota of ministry through that year. And so every division will get two weeks of duty. And you're, you're, unless until there's a major festival, you will not come into play. You have to wait for your duty. Mind you, just two weeks of duty, you need to be prepared. You need to obey. You need to be there. You need to have the priestly mindset. You need to be set apart. Even though you got only two weeks of ministry in a year, you cannot be lackadaisical. You cannot just lay back. You got to be swift. You got to have that passion and devotion for the Lord. Division. So he maintained his integrity and his life 
righteous life, even though he had only two weeks of ministry, so to speak. And so let's come down to, to talk about the next verse. One day, in the days of Herod, plural, there was one day that was marked out for this man. Nobody knew him. His ministry was very little. Not so much. I'm going to come to a little more detail there. One day, Zechariah's life. One day. There's always a day that will change things. There's always a day that God chooses. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house and he says, Today, salvation has come to his house. Today. Jesus is dying on the cross, wreathing in pain. Pieces of flesh have come out from his body. His life is ebbing away, but he looks to the thief next to him and he says, today you will be with me. In all that is happening in 2020, will you believe that there is a today? As pastor said, today can be a day of miracle. Today is a day of miracle. Will you believe? Huh? We can crib and say, days of Herod was the big deal. He's a bloodthirsty guy. He's a womanizer. The political climate is so bad. We are oppressed by the Romans. The last 40 years, there have been grim news. What is going to happen to me? But I want to tell you one day, one day, Zacharias had his turn. Don't miss the moment when God wants to meet with you. I repeat, don't miss the moment and pass by with doubt and anxiety and paranoia. No, he is still on the throne. He works in your life. No matter what the world says, there is always a one day in your life. Amen. One day while Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving ING serving as a priest before God. Times had changed. 400 years of no prophetic voice, dryness and death and bloodthirsty king on the throne, but he never forgot to serve God. Child of God, no matter what news you hear outside, never lose your passion for Jesus. Serve him till the very end of your life. The reason why we take blood and uh, the, the, the bread and the wine is we pledge our allegiance to him even to the very end of our lives. I want to comment on serving as a priest before God. One day, don't miss that one day. Serving as a priest. Now, I just want you to observe this one verb mentioned in the Old Testament about it. We're going to come back to the slide again. The Levites were chosen for one kind of ministry and for this morning i just want to highlight on that one line just to encourage us deuteronomy 10 8 at that time the lord set apart the tribe of levi to carry out the ark of the covenant of the lord to stand before the lord to minister and to pronounce blessing in his name so what is the ministry of a priest to stand before god not to cringe not to fall, not to doubt, but to stand and minister. What does a priest do? He collects the prayers of the people outside. He collects the prayers of the populace and comes before God. And he just, just as, as the incense is burned, it goes as prayer up to God. He takes everything that the people's burdens and represents the people before God, standing and telling, interceding and say, God, do something. He never gave up even in his old age. 
Look at Deuteronomy 18.5. For the Lord your God has chosen Levi out, out of the sons of all the tribe to stand and minister. Hezekiah calls all the priests and in, in, in talking to the priests, he says, my sons, do not be negligent now. For the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and serve him. To minister before him and burn his. Don't forget your ministry. Don't forget your calling. Don't forget what God has picked you for. Zechariah, don't give up. Even though you don't see anything in your natural eyes, your, the body of your wife can be as dead. Her womb can be barren. You yourself look and say, can God hear my prayer? Don't give up, Zechariah. Keep standing. Child of God, don't give up on your faith. What God has spoken in 2020, what God has put in your spirit, no one can reverse. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Can't you see it is springing up? Do not, do not remember the former things. I'm doing something on the planet. I'm doing something in your life. Don't miss your standing before me. Don't give up on prayer. Don't give up on your scriptures. Don't give up on the morning time that you were getting up. Don't, don't give up on standing and weeping and praying. Don't give up for God knows what he's listening up there. That was Zechariah, the ministry. Let me come down here to say this. Verse 9. He was chosen by Lot. It intrigued me, what's the big deal of this verse and why that so calculated uh, observation by Luke to put that. He was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So he was chosen by Lot. Now the priests, although you, out of the 24 divisions, you got the division of Abijah, the, the, the priestly duties were cast into three sections. The one section of the priest would go bring the coal which was burning outside. You know, you had the, the altar, uh, burnt offering altar there. So one priest would bring the coal. Another priest, uh, a group of priests, will clear the altar of incense, take away all the old incense. And this team would come and lay the coal, the burning coal. And only one was chosen to take the incense. There were four kinds of spices mixed for that day. And only one would take and burn incense. Now the one who was going to burn the incense, that was a coveted role among the priesthood. Now during the time of Jesus, the historians say that there were 20,000 priests. Oh my. It is staggering. 20,000 priests were there. Out of which one division is chosen. Out of the division... One group is chosen. Out of that one group, you need one man to go stand before God to burn the incense. And it is said, if you get, if, you, if, if your name comes up in the Lord once, it will never come back again in your lifetime. Because so many priests are waiting for that coveted role. <laughs> Zechariah's name comes it is the chance of a lifetime it may not come back again he was chosen by lot for that one moment to meet with god alone and to burn incense wow zechariah that's your moment 
in all the days of Herod, there was one day in that one day you get a chance to go before God. Look at how the story is slowly entering into a climax. So this, this is going to be you alone, all other priests. You know, if you know a little bit of the temple, there was one kind of tambourine, a big drum there. They beat the drum and at the drum, all the coal is being bought. Everything is spread around. And after the drum stops, all the priests go away. And there's only one man who can stay at the altar and then take that, that, that exclusive, uh, exclusive set apart mixture of aroma and just put it on the incense. The, 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 the spiritual intended meaning is the prayers are ascending before God. That's one day. So Zechariah, out of all the 20,000, Zechariah gets the chance. This old man, this man who was standing before God, doing his duty, knowing that there's no blessing. His wife is at home with disgrace and shame, telling Lord, when are the days of favor? All the newspaper is filled with Herod's news, his achievements, this political news. They were just, you know, small time people there in that Roman Empire, but God never forgot them. Can I tell you, God will, God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. Yes, there are big names, big news this there, but I want to tell you, child of God, he has not forgotten you. He is not over. Let me go down to this slide. Take a good look at this picture because we're going to come back to it. At right at the moment of burning the incense, there's an encounter. Right at that moment. Now look at this verse. At the hour. Have a look at how Luke puts it. It's very, very interesting. And those who are interested and you want to really, really go into Bible study, just go slowly with the scriptures. Don't hurry. Just go slowly. So you have in these days, then you have one day, and then you have at the hour. Just look at the timeline of God. Stop the timeline of Herod. Look at the timeline of God. In the days of Herod, there was one day God chose. In that one day, there was an hour. At that hour of incense offering, the whole congregation was praying outside. What do you mean the congregation? It is as if the congregation sent in their prayers to Zechariah. Zechariah would take their prayers and offer it to God. In fact, everybody standing outside is praying, Oh God, hear my prayer. Oh God, answer our cry. Oh God, do this to my family, my wife, my child. Oh God, it was all of them with great expectation. The, all the expectation is not put on Zechariah to represent them so that Zechariah will go and stand before God. That hour had come and that hour was, was so desperate. People were praying intently outside. Everyone is hoping that their prayer is going to be answered. I'm just trying to read between the lines. Zechariah, you'll be anyway praying so many days, but now try to represent us. Anyway, you're old, your wife is also old. Okay, you, you did not get your child, no problem. But somehow represent us. Let us get an answer from God. Be faithful in your duties, Zacharias. Just then, another word, it is suddenly, out of nowhere, because that place, that holy place has got entry for only one. According to the law book, no one else is supposed to be in the presence. Just then, an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, 
standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Just then. Look at the progression. In the days of Herod, one day in the life of Zechariah, in the hour of praying, suddenly, wow, suddenly, God chose that moment when Zechariah was with him. Suddenly, he gave a sudden surprise. That's point number one. This season is a season of sudden surprises. I don't know how, I don't know when, but God chooses this season of sudden surprises. Let me make a comment here as we go. There was one piece of furniture which is seemingly missing from the temple or the tabernacle. If you can think hard, you can guess that answer. One piece of furniture in the holy place is missing or non-existent when it comes to ministering in the temple. And the answer is, there is no chair. There is no chair in the holy place. You got to stand and minister. There is no resting there. A priest is always on duty. Altar of incense, table of showbread, and the golden lampstand. You're standing there and ministering in shifts. There is no way you can sit down. You're always facing the Lord. You never give up on looking at the Lord. The psalmist said, my eyes are always on the Lord. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Now look at one more person coming and standing. Gabriel is standing. Angel of the Lord is standing. And both are standing. And we'll come to what, what angel of the Lord would say in a while. But two people who stand before God are meeting one another in a unique way. One from heaven to earth. Both at the presence of God. God chose the moment when Zechariah was standing before him to send someone who was already standing with him in heaven. God chose the moment of prayer. God chose the moment of standing with him as a moment of encounter. Don't give up on standing before God. There is always a moment of encounter. Those who stand before God will always embrace a season of favor. Season of favor. It was not in the house. It was not chit-chatting. It was not having a committee meeting. It was not an uprising. It was not in a revolt. It was not in trying to protest. But right in the presence of God, in his own duty, Zechariah had an encounter. Sudden surprise. Christmas is a season of sudden surprises. May God bless us with sudden surprises. We don't understand his ways, but we will not forget to stand before him. Let's keep meeting. Let's keep praying. Let's keep giving. Let's keep preaching. Let's keep spreading the fragrance of the master because he who promised us is faithful. That's the first test. What is the sudden surprise? This is the sudden surprise. The angel of the Lord said, do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Look at this. Your prayer has been heard, but God chooses the timing to answer. <laughs> I want to tell all of us, your prayer has been heard, but God chooses the timing to answer. And look at that. He chose the days of Herod, not Hosmanian days, not the Maccabean days. He chose the days of Herod, corrupt king, hungry for power. 
power mongering king, bloodthirsty. God chose those days. Why didn't God change? I don't know. Why God waited 400 years of prophetic silence and chose those days? I don't know. But God has heard and he is doing something in the spirit. Start seeing things in the spirit. No wonder God allowed us to meditate on the book of Romans. Get activated in the spirit. If you're going to calculate the, the, the earthly, fleshly, physical, carnal line, we will miss the move of God. Your prayer has been answered. You are carrying the prayers of people, Zacharias, but I want to tell you your prayer has been answered. Do your ministry, for I have heard your prayer. Through you, through that one child, something is going to happen to those who are standing outside. The community that is standing outside is hanging on this answer. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you're to give. Look, look at the way God is unveiling, unrolling, unscrolling things in his life in the last stages. He could have said, eat and drink, we are going to die. He could have, he could have got a comment just like Job's wife. You know, watch all these things. Nothing has happened to us. Let's curse God and die. Like Hagar, I don't have anything. God, kill me, I die. Like Elijah, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm zealous. I don't see any revival. My ancestors have failed. I just want to die. Let's go. You can, you can put a full stop, but I want to tell you, it's not over when you stand before God. It's not over with your life when you stand before the King of Kings. Don't give up on your standing with God. He has heard your cry. It's a new beginning. There is a new beginning. The curtains can close on 2020, but there is a new beginning. Those who have faith, receive the word and speak it over your life. God is a God of new beginning. Even when my flesh fails, when my heartbeat is gone, when my breath is not left much, God is God of new beginning. Your prayer has been answered. You're going to have a son. Your son is going to be the answer to all those standing outside and earnestly praying. The prayer is here. The answer is here. Verse 14, he will be a joy and delight to you. Many will rejoice at his birth. Many, look at the plural. Whenever God blesses you, it's not for you. <laughs> it's not for you. Let your heart, like what Pastor said, you know, let your heart be stretched. Let love be oozing out. Give it. May you be a joy for many. May God, whatever he's doing in your life, May, may, may just be like a flowing river for many. Verse 15. He will be great in the sight of God. He didn't own a car. John the Baptist didn't even do one miracle. Did you know that? The only person he was, in fact, evangelizing and, and straightening up is the one who beheaded him, Herod. But he will be great in God's eyes. Don't use the world's measuring tape to measure greatness. The way God measures is completely different and baffles our human mind. He shall never take wine or strong drink because he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a very unique feature because this is not there in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon the selected few, not inside. This is very, very unique and exclusive to John the Baptist. And Jesus, by the way, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. There will be a touch of God in the womb. This 
toy will be sealed on the womb. When you are faithful, I want to tell you and prophesy to parents, when you are faithful to stand before God, that which comes out from the womb will carry the good news. That which will come out from the womb will spread the gospel to the nations. Parents, be faithful before God. Mothers and fathers, be faithful because you don't know the greatness that is there in the house. The child in your home, God has marked them for ministry. God has marked them to spread the good news. The parents of old did not know what to do. They used to take that elderly child and place it and dedicate it and say, God, let this child be yours. My brother was one of a kind. Yes, he had all the ups and downs, but parents were there. This child is yours. One child goes into the ministry. One child serves the Lord. Other child will come. You see, it's in, it's in the next generation. When you're faithful with your generation, the next generation will hit a greatness level high. They don't have to deteriorate. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Many, verse 16, many of the sons of Israel, he will turn back. He will turn. He will, it, it will be a turning ministry. Those who listen to him, they will be wrenched in their heart, gripped with conviction in their heart. They will turn to God. What a ministry. He will go on before the spirit and power of Elijah. I'm going to come to that to turn the hearts. Christmas story begins with a heart ministry. It's not the external. God gets back to the basics. As we heard today, a new heart I will give you, a new spirit I will give you. I will turn your heart towards me. For 400 years I didn't see that, but I'm going to anoint a child who will turn the heart. All your years you've been standing before me, Zacharias, but I'm giving you a son who will turn the hearts of those who are outside. What a promise. At an old age to hold that promise. A sudden surprise, he couldn't take it. Don't give up on family prayer. Parents, don't give up on your children. Don't give up. Keep standing. Keep standing. You don't know when that sudden surprise will come. Don't go by the political news. Don't go by the medical news. Don't go by the, all the news of the world, the civilian news, because God is at work in the spirit. Embrace that season. I'll skip that. And this is what the angel says. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and to bring good news to you. Zechariah, you stand before God with the request of the people. I too stand before God. And whenever I stood, I hear something to speak. Whenever I get a chance to speak, God gives me the green signal to go. I have come with that, Zechariah. Look at this. Look at this, people. Just, 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 just take a glimpse and dichotomy between the natural and the spiritual. In natural, you stand before God. The prayer ascends before him. God doesn't keep quiet. He waits at the right, just then, sudden surprise moment. And he sends his angel who's standing, who's standing before him. When you stand, there's somebody standing in heaven. When you stand and speak, there's somebody with a message to come to you. Somewhere a little bit of curtain is open for us to get a glimpse of what God is doing with our prayer. Zechariah, thank you for standing even in your old days because you stood before God. I am coming with a message standing before God. 
I stood till your name was pronounced in heaven. I stood till God had a plan for you and your son and your wife. I stood there to bring some good news to you. Thank you, Zechariah, I would say, for not giving up on standing before God. If, were, if, if he would have become cumbersome and, and fearful and so fed up and despondent and say, what's the big point in my old age? My division does not get a chance. I don't know what's going to happen to me. Let me miss and give to the youngsters. Let them have their heyday. Let me go back home. No, don't give up on your assignment. There might be a delay. There might be a pause. There might be a silence, but God has heard your cry. I don't know for whoever it is today, receive the word of God. God has heard your cry. There is a word that comes before you. Receive that word. I stand in the presence of God. Just as you stand, I stand before the presence of God. I've got a word for you. Point number one. Or second point, should I say. Stand firm. Those who have knocking knees, be strengthened today in the name of Jesus. Those who are crying and telling what's happened to me, my family, my job, my mental state, my condition, my spiritual life. I want to tell you, don't give up. Don't give up standing. Keep standing. No matter what happens, keep standing. Look at the encouragement Paul gives to the Corinthian church. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. I speak over our church and say, let us stand firm. These newses that we see outside are like the days of Herod. We can get, we, we can succumb to all the newses around. Babies are dying. Roman soldiers have taken over. Temple tax has increased. Unusual Gentile people are coming. There is no prophetic word for 400 years. What's the big deal? Crib, murmur, grumble. Don't give up on God. God is at work with sudden surprises. Therefore, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself to the work of the Lord. Be steadfast. Be standing. Be steadfast. And keep laboring. Because you know that whatever you, whenever you stand before God, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. With all this, you come to Elizabeth. Sudden surprise for her at old age. After these days, oh my, look at that. After these days, it's like, it's like that, that, that season, you know, all that shame, that pain is, is, is gone. After these days, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained, I was about to say quarantine, but quarantine is for only those who are infected. For five months, she was in seclusion. She said, no problem. Whenever you carry greatness, sometimes you go through that seclusion. You're alone. You're carrying that greatness in your womb. She goes off. You go through that pain. You go through that turmoil. You go through all that because you're carrying greatness. Never should she know that there's going to be her, 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 her dead womb is coming back to life. You know, when God speaks today, I, I felt in my spirit when, when Pastor Prem opened that verse in Isaiah 43, when Pastor began to say, breath of God, dead things are coming back to life. When the worship team, when Asha sang, you are great, you are miracles. See, when God speaks in three, four, three, four manners, the spectrum of God, you may need to understand in the spirit because God wants to speak to the church. 
I prophesy over those who are waiting and say, my situation has come to an end. I want to tell you in the name of Jesus, dead things are coming back to life. If you don't believe, look at verse 25. The Lord has done this for me. In these days of Herod, in these days of my, 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 my barrenness, in these days of my, my disgrace, in these days when so much of thing is happening around me, when there is no prophetic visitation, in these days he turned my life around. In these days, he has shown me, who am I? An old lady wrinkled-faced. I can't walk properly. In these days, but one thing, God has not forgotten her lineage because she was one of the daughters of Aaron. She was set apart. She stood with the husband. She knew how to stand in the ministry. She knew how to stand before God and weep and cry. In these days, he has shown me favor. That which was dead has come back to life. It's a new innings for me. Wow. What a God we have. Dead things are coming back to life. I don't understand all the mystery of these things, but I want to prophesy and say, dead things are coming back to life. Dead relationships that are dried up are coming back to life. That which you thought it was over is coming back because God's hand is upon it. Don't give up standing before him. My disgrace. He has taken away my disgrace. You see, touch the womb, disgrace is gone. God knows where to touch. God knows where to touch. Because when he touches your womb, that which is going to come out is for the generations. God has prepared you not for you. But for the generations, when you carry greatness, protect them. Parents, put your hand on the children. Pray, prophesy. Zechariah did only one thing. He stood before God, but his son. We never have him standing in the temple. He's all around Judea. He's all around wilderness. His pulpit is in the river Jordan. The only man I see the pulpit in the river is only John the Baptist. Among those born of women, there is no one greater than John the Baptist was the verdict given by Jesus. You see, that son that is born, the daughter that you have in your house, there are gifts and tokens of greatness and favor. God is going to use them to remove disgrace in your family. Embrace the new season. Embrace the season. Christmas season is, is about the baby's birth. Two babies are born in the season. I mean, six months difference there, but... Oh my God, as I've come to the last point, the first S was sudden surprises. Second S was stand firm. Third S, the spirit of Elijah. Very strangely, out of all the prophets that we have in the Old Testament, the Lord says about John the Baptist that he will move on, be spurred, and go forth in the spirit of Elijah to turn hearts. And he says, that is the ministry with which he will function. And so prepare a people ready for the Lord. And I pray that as, as a church, as a family, as individuals, we too will move in the spirit of Elijah to accomplish what the Lord has promised for us this season. Why is the spirit of Elijah? Why should John the Baptist function in this way? And how does it imply to us? Three quick points as, as I hand over the time to Pastor Prem. Elijah confronted. Elijah was firm in confronting. 
We don't have the lineage of Elijah. Elijah just came about from Tishbe, the Tishbite. No mummy, no daddy, no university, no educations. No brother, no sister. He just comes up in the scene, but he's got the word of God. He's got the word of God. He's got the word of God. In those days of Caesar Augustus, when there was Philip, when there was, you know, all the Roman officials, when there were chief priests and the teachers of the law, the Bible says in Luke chapter three, only one had the word, that is John the Baptist. The word of the Lord came to John the Baptist. The ministry of Elijah is a ministry that confronts with the word of God. And you know what he says there? First Kings chapter 18, 21. Elijah comes near all the people and he said, how long will you go limping between two opinions? He confronted the spirit of Baal, the spirit of Elijah, that's God's spirit himself, confronts the spirit of Jezebel. Jezebel, spirit of Jezebel is a conniving, manipulating, adulterous, lustful spirit that's permeating right now in the world. And yes, among the people of God, no wonder Jesus in speaking to the church in Thyatira says, you entertain, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. She comes with all her adulteries and immoralities and teachings and misleading. Elijah's spirit was a spirit that confronts and says, black is black, white is white. Elijah's spirit, when Elijah moved, he demarcated, there's no, there is no hanging on the balance. There is no pendulum Christianity. There is no mixing there. There is no half-cooked, baked, baked Christian. There is no, no, a little bit of world and a little bit of the Lord. The pastor James says in James 4.4, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity to God? There is no way you can do dilly-dally. And God says this Christmas season, he tells this man will move with the spirit of Elijah to confront double-mindedness. Is it okay to preach and say enough of being double-minded? Is, okay is it okay to go on with the spirit of Elijah and say, can we be ardent lovers standing with God? Enough of all the spiritual flirtatious relationships that, that try to monger and encircle us. Can we have that first pure love for Jesus these days? May God give us grace. When he gets front and says, Lord, answer the prayer. He doesn't say, let the fire come down. He says, answer me, answer me, answer me, so that people will know that you are turning their hearts again. The ministry of Elijah was about turning of the hearts. I pray that this season we, I will have my heart turned to Jesus again. I will look upon the cross it will strike me so much that I'll heart, my heart will turn to him again. That God would deal with my pride, with my sin. That God will touch me in my heart altar. Turn to God. Turn to God. Oh, that we turn to him once more and have a glimpse of him who died for us on the cross. Oh, that we would stand in awe of the presence of God. Turn. That's the ministry of Elijah. May God give us grace. He restored worship. He restored worship. Ministry of Elijah is turning to God and breaking down every other altar and rebuilding the altar of God. He came forward, repaired the altar. 
which was torn down. Verse 32, he built an altar. Verse 33, I just want to pause. There are many things that happen. I want to pause on 33 and say, it's one thing to build the altar, but altar is incomplete without the sacrifice. Altar is incomplete without the sacrifice. You can have a very, very fancy altar, but without the sacrifice on the altar, it completely loses the purpose. In the New Testament language, we are the sacrifice. If the fire has to fall, it first falls on the sacrifice. Can I ask a question to us today? What is it that you have put on the altar? Can I answer that question by trying to say, have I put myself on the altar? Discipleship costs everything. A very, very rare sermon these days. It costs you everything to follow Jesus. When Jesus said in Mark 8, 34, if you desire to follow me, he just goes and yells in the street and says, he called to the crowd and said, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself. That means say goodbye to your life. Deny himself, take up the cross. Cross was the form of highest punishment. The day somebody dies in Jerusalem, is crucified, he says goodbye to all his neighborhood, carries the cross and goes. That means that's the last day of his life. No more rights, no more privileges, no more food, no more biryanis, nothing over. That's the last day. If Jesus said, if you want to follow me, can you say goodbye to everything? That's the last day of your selfish life. Elijah rebuilt the altar, but altar was not everything that the sacrifice. Place yourself. Elijah gave himself totally. John the Baptist gave everything. We don't have him owning. We don't have him racing in cars and, and wearing those, 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 those elegant garments and standing in the place of prominence. He was the one who said, let him increase. Let me decrease. What you want to do with me, so be it, oh God. Six months of ministry and he is removed from the scene. May we be a sacrifice. Some of us can do a lot. Some of us do a little. But greatness is not determined, determined by, by the, the, the largeness, the hugeness of the sacrifice. It's about sacrifice being complete. Give yourself fully. Throw yourself fully. The woman came with an alabaster jar. She did not measure 10 ml, 15 ml. I would have done that. Measure a little, pour it to Jesus because it's very costly. She broke the jar. She broke the jar, meaning she couldn't collect even a drop back to a house. Give yourself completely on the altar. God gave his only begotten son as a missionary martyr. He didn't give his hand, his leg, his feet, his hair. He gave his son away. For all the love that we receive this season, is it too much to put yourself on the altar and say, God, consume me with your fire? That marks the spirit of Elijah. May we as a church move in that. As I close, this is the last point. Seek the supernatural. Seek the supernatural. 
Confront sin in your life. Confront the spirit of Jezebel. Confront double-mindedness. Second, restore worship. Give yourself totally to the Lord. Third, seek the supernatural. Two things about Elijah's ministry is you have the rain and the fire. That's always the high point of his prophetic ministry. I like this picture because it kind of ends up with that heart shape. Rain and fire. Both are the symbol in the New Testament for the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit of God is symbolized as rain. Give me a minute to share this. When the Spirit of God came, he came like a rushing wind. When Elijah prayed on Mount Carmel, the Bible says the wind rose, the dark clouds were formed, and he said, I hear the sound of heavy rain. Rushing wind. The Holy Spirit, windrows. Peter explains the Pentecost to the crowd who are gathered there and he said, this is nothing but Joel's prophecy. In the last days I will pour out my downpour, downpour. And in the middle of Joel chapter 2, verse 23, he says, I'm going to give you abundant of rain. The latter rain, the spring rain, the autumn rain. Rain is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. Fire is the symbol of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit of God came with tongues of fire, settled on 120 heads. Elijah's, the, to, to, to move in the spirit of Elijah is nothing but to move in the impulse and the anointing and the fire and the water and the river of the Holy Ghost. And I'm so happy that we are able to meditate on, on Romans chapter 8. And I want to, I want to close with that and as, as I hand it over. But as soon as I leave, Obadiah tells about Elijah. First Kings 18. Obadiah is hiding some hundred, hundred prophets in groups and trying to feed them because Jezebel is slaughtering the men of God, the prophets. And this is what Obadiah says. As soon as I leave, Elijah, the Spirit of God will carry you away and no one knows where. It's like the Spirit of God will lead you. You're remote controlled by the Holy Ghost. It's like the wind and the rain. We don't know where it comes. We don't know where it goes. But you're carried away by the Spirit. That was one testimony that Obadiah gives about Elijah. Romans 8, 14. I was not there last Sunday. I was ministering at another church. But I think this was the verse that, that probably pastor dwelt on. For those who are led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. To, to move in the Spirit of Elijah is to be led by the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist will be led by the Holy Ghost. He will be demarcated from the womb by the Spirit. I pray that we as a church, as couple, as husband and wife, as children, as tiny tots in our church, will be led by the Spirit. And people will testify. They move in the Spirit. They know the sensitivity of the Holy Ghost. The antennas are receptive to what God says. They know how to stand in the presence of God. They keep interceding. They don't give up. May it be said of us that we are a church led by the Holy Spirit.
when you are led by the holy spirit you read the news differently when you are led by the holy spirit you know what god can do in the days of herod when you are led by the spirit you will wait and pause and be there persistent in the presence of god when you are led by the spirit you don't give up on your wife you don't give up on death things you don't give up on prayer because you know that the one who started the race the journey with us is faithful to bring it to the end may god bless this word close your eyes everybody close your eyes christmas is a season of favor a season of sudden surprises a season not to give up on our calling but to stand before god a season to be led by the holy spirit